about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Oh yeah, good day, tokers and tokens and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, January 4th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Happy New Year, tokers and tokens and non-toking lovers of liberty. So glad to have you here for the show on CannabisRadio.com exclusively. Lots of changes happening here. Uh, this is now the only place you can get the Russ Belleville show live. We're no longer streaming on Ustream, no longer streaming on 420 Radio. If you want to hear me every day, this is the place you're going to have to tune in, either live at 3 p.m. Pacific time every weekday on CannabisRadio.com or through the podcast, which is available through iTunes, Stitcher, and numerous other podcast aggregators. You can get more information for that at CannabisRadio.com. Of course, other changes happening here in the uh, state of Oregon. We are now facing a tax. We've been untaxed in our marijuana purchases at the uh, medical marijuana dispensaries, but now a 25% temporary tax goes into effect. Also, the state of Oregon is now taking applications for the pot shops and the growers and all these different things that uh, will become our legal marijuana market sometime around August or September, separate and distinct from the medical marijuana market. So a lot of changes are happening here, and this is the place where you'll be able to find out about all of them right here on the Russ Belleville Show. We're also going to be keeping you in touch with everything that's happening for legalization for the year 2016, which is going to be the year, the banner breakout year for marijuana legalization. This is the year when the Berlin Wall of Prohibition will completely crumble with legalization in California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine, possibly Michigan, possibly Ohio, medical marijuana, possibly in Florida, maybe in Arkansas, maybe in Missouri. So much is going on this coming year, and we will be here covering it for you on the Russ Belleville Show and through CannabisRadio.com. We're also proud to announce that CannabisRadio.com is the official Cannabis Radio for Canacon, the big event coming up uh, throughout the year. So as you hear more about Canacon, you'll be hearing more about us covering that as well. I'm also preparing to embark on the Legalize America Tour, perhaps starting in February or March. We'll start putting the details together for a cross-country, 48-state tour of uh, America, taking this show on the road, hearing from you in the red states, the blue states, and the green states on what you're looking forward to in marijuana legalization. So if you're interested in that, you want to be a sponsor, you want to know where we're going to be, just hit us up over at CannabisRadio.com and we'll give you more information. Now, coming up on today's show, it's a Monday, so we once again visit with Dr. Mitch Earlywine, the host of Burning Issues here on CannabisRadio.com, for our Cannabis Q&A segment, where we update you on the latest studies, polls, surveys, and information about marijuana and the people who consume it. That's coming up at half past. Also coming up on the show, at the end of the show, got time for a radical rant. I want to tell you a little bit 
about the personal toll of marijuana legalization. We had a high-profile activist death here over the weekend in Oregon. Plus, with my brother's recent bout with cancer, it's got me doing a whole lot of thinking about the marijuana movement, my place in it, and and where we're moving on uh, from here. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Also on the show today, we'll have time to take a look at the drug war data mines. We're going to look at 11 states that are the least likely to legalize marijuana anytime soon. And of course, (laughs) my birth state of Idaho is in that list. And in Behind the Headlines, we're going to take a look at some of the companies that are benefiting from marijuana legalization despite the fact that they're not in a legal marijuana state. We're going to take a look at the state of Wisconsin. But all of that comes after the Cannabis Radio News featuring headlines from the Associated Press. We're going to tell you about Washington and Oregon and New York and Kentucky and Mexico when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, January 4th, 2016. As the price of marijuana continues to drop, Washington pot businesses are struggling to keep up with the changes. According to data from the Washington Liquor and Cannabis Board, since legal marijuana entered the market in July 2014, prices have dropped from $25 to $30 per gram to about $10 per gram now. Prices are plummeting as new retailers flood the market. Tax changes are also lowering the wholesale price. This year, 222 marijuana licenses will be added throughout the state. 
Retailers said profits suffered slightly last summer when the state changed the marijuana taxes. There used to be a 25% tax on producers, processors, and retailers, but since the change, there is now a single 37% tax at the point of sale. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission early Monday opened the state's online application system for marijuana licenses. The agency initially planned to staff a call center with staff and policy experts to take questions from people completing applications. But Sunday's winter storm prompted the state to close its Portland office buildings Monday. Mark Pettinger, a spokesman for the commission, said state staff will not be on hand to take questions from applicants today. Businesses that plan to produce edibles and concentrates, test for potency and pesticides, conduct research or operate as wholesalers, also must obtain licenses from the state. The Liquor Commission plans to process applications for labs and outdoor cannabis producers first. Officials want to ensure there are enough labs online to test for pesticides and potency before the retail market opens later this year. Likewise, state officials want to give outdoor cannabis producers enough time to get their crop in the ground so the product can be ready for store shelves. Medical marijuana is growing in New York, but it remains unclear just when patients will be able to obtain the drug. State health officials insist the program is on track to open in January, the time frame stipulated in the 2014 legislation that legalized medical marijuana in New York, but they have been mum on exactly when it will launch and have not indicated the number of locations of doctors certified to prescribe medicinal pot. The law requires that patients seeking medical marijuana first be certified by a state-approved physician and then register with the health department and obtain a registry identification card before being allowed to purchase the product from one of five licensed growers operating in New York. The law allows medical marijuana to be used to treat 10 serious illnesses and conditions, including cancer, HIV-AIDS, Lou Gehrig's, Parkinson's, and Huntington diseases, epilepsy, some spinal cord injuries, and multiple sclerosis. Five companies were chosen last summer to grow and distribute marijuana in New York. Each grower is allowed to operate up to four dispensaries. Former U.S. Representative Mike Ward is trying to bring mainstream credibility to the effort to legalize medical marijuana in Kentucky. He announced Monday that he is the president and CEO of Legalize Kentucky Now, a nonprofit organization that will push for Kentucky to become the 24th state overall and the first in the Southeast to make pot available with a doctor's prescription. Ward said he has long been an advocate of legalized medical marijuana after seeing how it helped his brother Alexander, who died of AIDS in 1992, cope with the illness that at the time had no treatment. Ward said hospital staff would look the other way when he went into a bathroom to smoke because they knew that it was the only thing that would restore his appetite. Ward, who served as a Democrat in the Kentucky House of Representatives before he went to Washington for one term in the U.S. House, said he has people in both the Kentucky House and Senate who are prepared to sponsor the legislation, but declined to say who they are. As marijuana legalization in states like Colorado and Washington continues, marijuana farmers in Mexico are starting to see a steep decline in the profits their crops once fetched. Some growers report they're seeing a decline in income as high as 70%, and they blame the popularity of higher-quality legal marijuana in the U.S., Mexico has been supplying as much as two-thirds of the pot consumed in the U.S. However, in the last seven years, Mexican suppliers have lost roughly one-third of their market share. Some Mexican legislators have considered enacting policies similar to those in Colorado and Washington, but the drug war violence dissuades many from actions that could be perceived as capitulating to the vicious, violent Mexican drug cartels. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, January 4th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. 
Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E in tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Welcome back, everybody. In the Cannabis Focus today, we're taking a look at a story from the, the Milwaukee, Wisconsin Journal Sentinel entitled, Some State Companies Find Opportunity in Growing Market for Legal Marijuana. And it's an interesting piece that shows how the legalization of marijuana is not just a positive benefit for the states that legalize marijuana, but also for a lot of the states that don't. And in this case, the state of Wisconsin. They point out how a number of firms here are gearing up to provide things like Lamps, trimmers, environmental control equipment, shelving, safes, all these accessory items that are required for the legal marijuana industry that are built by companies in Wisconsin. Companies like Cubic Designs, Inc. and Thermostore, LLC and Star in Wausau, Wisconsin. The Marijuana Business Daily has already estimated that if recreational marijuana were legalized nationally, it would be a 40 to 45 billion dollar sales market every year. Now, to compare, the beer market in the United States is 107 billion. So we're talking about something that could be about 40% the size of the currently existing beer market. The retail sales already have doubled over the last 2 years to somewhere around 2.7 to 3.1 billion dollars last year. And Marijuana Business Daily also expects the sales to be up to $8 billion within the next three years. And so many of these companies that manufacture all sorts of various items are starting to recognize how the items they manufacture could also be sold to this emerging marijuana market. Uh, one example is a company uh, that, uh, let's see if I can find their name there. Uh, Aurora Star is the one we were talking about. Aurora Star is a company that's got 48 employees and they've been making plastic bags for coffee. Little imprinted, sealable plastic bags for coffee. And then they realize that turning these bags into sealable bags for edibles, for marijuana buds, is a perfect fit for them. It's really not that much different from what they were already producing in the coffee market. Uh, another couple of firms that had no idea how good their products would be for, be for the marijuana market, 
Cubic Designs and Thermostore, uh, the Cubic Designs Company, 100 employees, they've got a factory, and they design mezzanine platform structures, uh, basically uh, like an erector set for shelving, if you will. And they found that their platforms can double uh, and multiply the available space in a warehouse. And so some of these places uh, are now using the cubic store or cubic design uh, systems for their marijuana grows. And this has helped the company like mad. And they're just extremely excited about that. Uh, they were contacted by a company out of Colorado looking t- for some of their products. And according to the story, they said they had no idea what the project was for. And they were just shocked by this untapped market for their particular product that marijuana legalization has opened them up. There's a company called Thermostore. Thermostore makes dehumidifiers. And they had been getting all these orders for the from the West Coast and buy all these units for, you know, all these de- dehumidifiers for their grows and never really told the company what they were buying them for, which is understandable. A lot of these companies don't want to advertise the fact they're in the marijuana business for fear that other companies won't want to do business with them because it's a federally illegal drug. So these guys at Thermostore had no idea why they were getting all these orders, how why they were coming up until 2012 when they took one of their employees uh, and sent them out west to find out you know what's going on. In 2012, he presented a business plan to his bosses to explain the huge untapped market, and now they are major players in the dehumidifier market for uh, marijuana. In my own experiences, I've gotten to meet, uh, and I can't remember the company's name, unfortunately, off the top of my head, but they make uh, industrial ovens uh, for various purposes that are now uh, turning out to be perfect sorts of uh, ovens and, and processing uh, uh items for the edibles or not the edibles, but the extracts market for the people that need to, you know, uh, purify and purge, uh, their, their, uh, their extracts, these ovens that had been used for industrial purposes up till now have turned out to be the perfect item to do that particular part of the extract job. So now this company, it's always fun interviewing these people at the events because you find these people and you can always tell that it's something new and shocking to them because they're in these marijuana expos and marijuana events surrounded by tie-dye t-shirts and glass blowers and you know all the marijuana stuff that you'd typically find and they're there selling their mainstream product and having to repurpose it to a new audience and having to understand the needs of this new audience. And it's always fun for me to talk to them because they've got this wild eyed, you know, wide eyed look of, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm in a, in a pot expo, but that's the future folks. And that's what's happening here. As more and more of these companies, even in the non-legal States start to recognize the huge market potential. And this is why I think that marijuana legalization now is, is snowballing and has passed the tipping point. Uh, The question now is just a matter of how, well legalization rolls out, not if it's going to roll out because the money is there and too many companies now have seen the dollar signs, companies outside of the growing of marijuana and the selling of marijuana, but companies that do mainstream business have seen a new untapped market, a new profit potential, a new chance for growth in this economy where today there are so few outlets, there are so few mechanisms for growth.
From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. Well, folks, that sound means it's 20 after. It's 420 in the Mountain Time Zone. Thanks to our union regulations, we are mandated to take a very important safety briefing at this time. When we come back, we'll talk about the 11 states least likely to legalize marijuana. I'm Radical Russ. We'll be right back after this. Get.buzz. .buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy. Because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back, everyone. In the Drug War Data Mines today, we take a look at an article from 247wallstreet.com entitled The 11 States Least Likely to Legalize Marijuana. It's a subject we covered a couple of weeks ago uh, in taking a look at the future for 2016. And it's um, it's good to know, I guess, that many of the states that I had picked to be the last states to legalize are the same states that ended up in this particular list. Uh, in alphabetical order, not necessarily which ones of these are the least likely, those 11 states include the state of Alabama, where the maximum fine for a small amount of marijuana is $6,000. They had 3,600 marijuana-related arrests in 2012. The arrests per 100,000 people are 74.7 per 100,000. Now, marijuana use in Alabama is pretty rare. About 9.7% of residents 12 and older use marijuana. That's uh, lower than the national usage rate of 12.3%. The uh, Senate recently killed a bill that would have established a medical marijuana program in the state of Alabama, so there is also a demonstrable lack of political support. Number two state, least likely to legalize marijuana, the state of Arkansas. Maximum fine for a small amount is $2,500. There were 5,892 marijuana-related arrests in 2012. Their arrest rate is 199.8 per 100,000. Arkansas has a a particular distinction as being the only state that has voted on 
Well, actually, I'm sorry. That's South Dakota I'm thinking of. But uh, Arkansas also uh, had a chance to pass a medical marijuana legislation and failed to do that. Two years later, they failed to even get it on the ballot. Also, Arkansas has some uh, strict felony uh uh, considerations, possessions of four ounces or more is a felony with six years in prison. And second time offenders face felony charges for as little as one ounce. Our third state to be least likely to legalize marijuana would be the state of Georgia. Maximum fine for a small amount is a thousand bucks. There were 30,611 marijuana related arrests in 2012. And their arrest rate is one of the highest in the nation at 308.6 marijuana arrests per 100,000. Now, Georgia does have the CBD oil law, like many of the southern states do, but like many of those states, provides no production of that CBD oil in state, thus requiring the parents of epileptic kids to become interstate drug traffickers if they want to help their child out with the legal CBD oil. Possession of more than an ounce in the state of Georgia is a felony with a $5,000 fine and a minimum, mandatory minimum, one year of incarceration. Moving on to the fourth state least likely to legalize marijuana, my home state of Idaho. Maximum fines, 1000 bucks. There are 4,060 marijuana arrests in 2012 and an arrest rate of 254.4 per 100,000. There are... Uh, Idaho also has the distinction of being the only state in the nation that has put forth and passed a CBD oil bill. Remember, the CBD oil is non-psychoactive and it's generally used just for a limited set of kids with a certain type of epilepsy. Idaho is the only state where such a law passed and the governor vetoed it, thus earning its distinction as one of the 11 states least likely to legalize marijuana. Number five would be the state of Indiana, $1,000 fine for a small amount, 13,224 marijuana-related arrests, and a 202.3 marijuana arrest rate per 100,000. Now, despite this, over half of the people of Indiana, 52%, do support legalizing marijuana similarly to alcohol and tobacco. But it still has one of the harshest laws in the country, possession of just a joint can get you a year in jail and a $5,000 fine. Second-time offenders with an ounce or more can get felony charges and up to two and a half years of incarceration. Number six would be Kansas. The state of Kansas, $2,500 fine, 6,095 arrests, 211.2 marijuana arrest rate. And Kansas has uh, some of the strictest laws as well. Second-time offenders with even just a gram can get felony charges, three and a half years in prison, and a $100,000 fine. Our number seven state would be the state of Oklahoma, which also has the cannabidiol oil law. But in Oklahoma, possession of any amount of marijuana can result in incarceration. Second offense is an automatic felony. And the production of any sort of concentrated marijuana, be it extracts, hash, even finger hash or keef, can result in life in prison. Our number eight state of the 11 least likely to legalize marijuana would be the state of South Dakota, $2,000 fine for a small amount, 2,734 arrests per 2012, and beating Georgia with its marijuana arrest rate of 328.1 arrests per 100,000 people. South Dakota is the only state that has twice rejected a medical marijuana initiative at the ballot. 
Tennessee comes in as our number nine state with an even higher arrest rate, 363.8 per 100,000. Our number 10 state, the state of Utah, which also has a cannabidiol oil bill. And finally, the state of Wyoming with the highest marijuana arrest rate of the 11, 399.5 arrests per 100,000 for possession of marijuana in the state of Wyoming. You can find these all at 247wallstreet.com. That's 247wallst.com. And their special report dated from December 28th, the 11 states least likely to legalize marijuana. When we come back, it'll be time for our cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Stick around and learn the latest on the studies and research concerning marijuana and the people who use it. I'm Radical Russ. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our Cannabis Q&A. We've got Dr. Mitch Earlywine on the line. Happy New Year, Dr. Mitch. Happy New Year to you. Uh, we are iced over here in Portland, Oregon. Can you believe it? We've got freezing temperatures. Our roads have turned into ice rinks. I'm sure everyone in Albany is just weeping for us. Uh, we, we couldn't feel worse for you, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I hope you had a great uh, holiday break, and I hope you're ready to jump right back into the marijuana science. I missed you guys a lot, so it's good to be back. All right, folks. And remember, if you uh, don't get enough in this short segment, you can always listen to Dr. Mitch's podcast, Burning Issues, right here on CannabisRadio.com. Who's uh, who's up next on your Burning Issues podcast? 
the beloved Andre special just got posted, and it's a, it's kind of a weeper, but I really hope folks will tune in because uh, she says says it like it is, and uh, I was very moved. All right, looking forward to that. Let's get into some of the studies that have uh, piled up over the holiday break. This first one that I'm very interested in, uh, Paul Armentano from Normal has just posted this on the Normal blog. You can read it at blog.normal.org, and it, it gets to the heart of a matter that we've kind of you know, speculated about for a long time. And that is how do cannabis and alcohol use affect each other? It, do you legalize pot and more people start drinking or do fewer people drink? And what, what does this study tell us so far? It's intriguing because it looks like from these data, people don't really like to mix cannabis and alcohol very much. And when, if you think about it, uh, you can sort of see why. It's been a concern in part because alcohol seems to slow THC metabolism in unpredictable ways and people often find aversive. And the combination is is often correlated with at least simultaneous use, more uh, drug-related problems. My student Sarah Smucker showed that years ago and it seems to be replicating. But uh, as we're finding, particularly uh, the data from these uh, participants were all in states where cannabis had, uh, you know, m- better laws than just the usual prohibition. We were not seeing folks claiming that they use these simultaneously, and there was not a lot of uh, heavy drinking among the cannabis users. You know, I've, I've uh, been around both uh, almost all my life, and when I'm at marijuana events that have some sort of beer station or, you know, bar that's available, I usually don't see them doing so well, but I'd always just attributed that to being in the marijuana thing. It's like, well, obviously these are marijuana people. Alcohol is not their thing. And I've never been able to, you know, look at it from the other side. I played in, played music in bars forever, but it was always places where pot was illegal. And sure, some people were smoke, you know, sneaking out to the parking lot to smoke during the breaks or whatever, but it seemed like everybody was pretty happy with their alcohol use. So is this something that, I mean, what's going to, you know, confirm this once and for all for us? Is it just going to take more time? Uh, sad but true on the economic front, I think it's going to take a very long time to show that, in fact, states with, uh, you know, basically repeal marijuana prohibition aren't going to show increases in alcohol use and might actually get a substitution effect, which I think is pretty likely. But uh, as you've you know seen in the headlines lately, it, even after two years of legalization in some areas, people are still freaking out and not sure what to make of the data. But the bottom line is, too, I feel like there's a chance here to point out to folks in an education kind of way, hey, if you've got cannabis, you sure don't need alcohol. So why not uh, enjoy all the different strains, the same uh, wild flavors, uh, interesting things to discuss as far as changes of consciousness, and let let alcohol go be the dangerous, aggression-inducing thing that it can be, unfortunately, while marijuana is in many ways the safer choice. Interesting that you mention aggression-inducing, because that leads into our next story coming off of Yahoo News. It asks, how does marijuana affect the brain and behavior? Here's what recent studies say. And looking into this, it seems like they're trying to say that people that smoke pot tend to be more aggressive and impulsive, which that sounds completely counter to what we've always thought stereotypically about marijuana users. Can you sort this out for us? Well, it's nice that they at least didn't have a headline that says, pot will make you kill people. And (laughs) when you take a close look at this study, this, in fact, is self-report data on your own perception of your impulsiveness or your hostility. It's not that uh, 
on days that folks used cannabis, they were punching folks in the face or anything like that. And I think there's a strange measurement issue here in that what you think of as potentially aggressive when you're using cannabis on that day is probably a lot different from what you think is potentially aggressive on a day when you're not using cannabis. So we end up with this oddball measurement and variance situation where uh, I'm afraid prohibition has increased some of this. So you're using a substance that's potentially illegal. And then what a surprise, you're a little paranoid. And then when you're asked about hostile thoughts or paranoid thoughts, you end up reporting more of them. It's not anywhere near the idea that, oh, folks who use cannabis get more aggressive. Because in fact, we've got laboratory data where people get cannabis or placebo and then get irritated on purpose in the lab by some stooge. And they're uh, actually less aggressive than the folks who get placebo. So this could be, uh, if I you know put out a fake scenario, uh, day one, you don't smoke pot, you're kind of an asshole. Day two, you smoke some pot, you're still the same level of asshole, but you realize it. Is that, I mean, is that what's going on? Sad, sad but true. <laughs> I've had the same problem with the mindfulness literature where the, the meditation guys actually claim they're less mindful, but I think it's just because they know they're not so mindful. <laughs> and, and I think it's the same with this cannabis and hostility thing is suddenly you're willing to fess up to some hostile thoughts and you take them more seriously. Mm. Now, the next story here coming off a of Motley Fool uh, just uh, – it reiterates some of the stuff that came out of the Monitoring the Future survey, and we discussed that uh, a couple of weeks ago when the data came out. And uh, one of the things that one of the points they try to make in this, which just kind of vexes me, is showing how well the drug use for tobacco and alcohol and PCP and benzodiazepines and acid and all these other drugs, cocaine and meth and heroin, all these other drugs among kids have gone down to some of their lowest levels ever. But oh no. Marijuana is still remaining steady. And my first thought of that is maybe there's a relation between those two things. What can you tell us about this? Well, it's sad when you think here people are making some database decisions about some really dangerous drugs like tobacco and meth and cocaine and things like that. And then the idea that holding steady is some kind of tragedy as far as cannabis use is concerned, I understand the alarm in that. I think there were 6% of seniors in high school saying they were using daily. That's really a problem, and we want to make sure that folks get educated that that's just not a good way to spend your time at that age. And in truth, nobody should be all high all the time, right? And so the the clincher here is that takes on this alarmist sort of form. How did we get, you know, these other drugs to drop? Well, we made data-based arguments that showed genuine harms. They also jump up and down about saying, and fewer people think marijuana is dangerous now. Well, they shouldn't think marijuana <laughs> is all that dangerous. That's what the data are suggesting to us. So yeah. I, I hate to have a headline like marijuana makes teens rational, but... <laughs> You know, we kind of have some data in support of that. Well, the other big uh, number, and and nobody I've seen in the mainstream media has jumped on this like I have, and that is Monitoring the Future has been asking 12th graders since 1975, if you wanted to get a hold of some pot, how easy would it be? And the number of easy to fairly easy has always been like 80 to 91%. This time, for the first time ever, it dropped below 80%. 79.5, just a skosh, but it dropped below 80%. So we've got fewer kids thinking pot is risky, yet they find it harder to get, and no more of them are using it any, any more often. 
I think that's well, a success. Tax and regulate places. I mean, if my livelihood depends upon carding people and making sure they're of age, if they're going to purchase cannabis from me, what a surprise. I'm going to card them. The underground market is not. Uh, particularly good at that. Yeah. You know, when we talk about uh, unemployment statistics, there's a, a feature of that where they say, you know, there's there's just some baseline, you know, you're never going to have 0% unemployment, right? Is there such a concept when it comes to drug use among teens or adults or anything? Is, is it unrealistic to think there'll be 0%? And if so, what do you think the floor is or should be? We've actually done well with 0% things on some drugs that are just ridiculously harmless that never really make it into the media in part because they're just so horrible. They're just such outrageous negative consequences. But then there's this wild set when you look at just standard sort of disinhibited personality, thrill seekers and stuff like that. And I think 4% with the uh, trying is uh, kind of revealing in that trying isn't the issue. What we should be measuring is cannabis-related problems. But then, of course, the number is going to be really, really low, and then it's hard to jump up and down to get a lot of funding and things like that. Gotcha. Let's go on to this story here from Forbes uh, about and, – and Kevin Sabet was all uh, a Twitter about this, just excited as hell – that uh, the DEA has eased some of the study requirements for cannabis. But if I'm not mistaken, it's only parts of cannabis, right? See, it's CBD only, and it's really just greasing the skids for synthetic CBD. And so the whole idea that uh, this is even cannabis study requirements is kind of misleading. It's cannabidiol study requirements, and I feel like Forbes – you know, Jacob Solomon writes a column for them. Like somebody there could have told them this headline is misleading. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And uh, the excitement with which uh, Kevin Sabet tweeted about this stuff made it, you know, he always likes to paint that this is the direction for medical marijuana. And now the DEA has made it easier to have real medical marijuana. But, you know, if they were going to make it easier to have real medical marijuana, they wouldn't just ease it up on CBD, would they? In fact, you could have whole plant studies and that's not at all eased with the the current new requirements. Mm, Okay. And one final study here, uh, United Press International's Health News, on how glaucoma patients need better education on marijuana. And it's kind of interesting because I – you know, my some of my first memories of marijuana in the mainstream were Saturday Night Live jokes about, you know, marijuana for glaucoma. And that seems to be one of the first things between that and cancer nausea or chemo nausea that people think of as medical marijuana. But what are what are the glaucoma patients getting wrong here? Well, I think the uh, interpretation of these data suggests something, too, about perceptions of glaucoma's appropriate treatment. Glaucoma treatment has really made incredible leaps and strides since the 1970s when those jokes were first told. And we do have cannabis-based eye drops that are stellar in part because they keep pressures down and treat glaucoma for a longer duration. You know, back when Bob Randall was using cannabis to control his glaucoma, he had to use it every three hours or so or the pressures weren't controlled. And I think everybody should know that who has glaucoma. If you look at these data, a lot of people endorse the idea that they think marijuana is probably a good treatment for glaucoma when in fact it's probably not the best Yet there's a subset of folks who really don't respond well to the eye drops, and I really feel like they need to have cannabis available if they, you know, if they would like to have it. 
Okay. Well, folks, that's all the time we've got with Dr. Mitch for now. But if you want to get a question in that we can talk about here on the show, you can always email Dr. Mitch at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. And of course, tune into the Burning Issues podcast here on CannabisRadio.com and learn even more. Dr. Mitch, Happy New Year to you and yours, and we'll talk to you next week. You too, man. Thanks a lot. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant talking about the personal toll of marijuana activism. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> what the hell are we paying you for? Are you stupid? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. This weekend, one of Oregon's finest marijuana activists passed away. John Walsh was a kind man who was dedicated to achieving marijuana reform. He wasn't an organizational leader. He wasn't a medical marijuana clinic operator or grower. He wasn't in this for any personal accolades or financial benefit. He was just a man who believed in changing our laws and did everything in his power to affect that change. Now, I didn't know John personally, but I had met him at numerous events. He always reminded me a bit of the late Chicago Cubs sportscaster Harry Carey. Both had the kind of white, unkempt hair and, and big glasses and kind of a, a childlike appreciation of the world. It was just, he was just a wonderful person to be around. And he was there for every march and every protest and every hearing and every event in our community. He single-handedly gathered more signatures on more petitions for initiatives, both success and failure, 
than anybody else in our community. If you haven't signed, if you've ever signed a marijuana petition in the state of Oregon, there's a chance that it was John Walsh who collected that signature. And besides that, registering people to vote, he was relentless on getting people registered to vote. He did more in this state to bring some measure of compassion to our cruel marijuana policies than just about any other activist. Others can do far more justice in recounting the legacy of John Walsh than I can. I would encourage you to visit theweedblog.com where Michael Baccarat, the uh, executive director of Oregon Normal, has has written a very touching tribute to him. But his death, as well as other recent Oregon activist deaths like Jim Clark and Jim Grigg, as well as some pretty monumental changes happening in my own life, have gotten me thinking about the personal sacrifices we make in our choice to be marijuana activists. You know, so many of us have given so much, so much of ourselves to fight this insane prohibition. I've been here for years now telling countless stories of good people whose lives have been drastically damaged or even ended by this fight. And I'm saddened. When I see so many good people in this movement who give so much only to receive so little in return, while the carpetbaggers who five years ago didn't know a sativa from a Subaru are now diving into the market we created and making out like bandits. But, you know, it's 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 not just the suits who are reaping the rewards of our harvests that have me down. Too many of the heads in our own movement are the anti-John Walsh's. They're the people who are so effective at playing on the morality and dedication of hardworking, altruistic activists, using them up for their talents and connections to build their marijuana empires, praising them with empty words and promises rather than cold, hard cash and security. For all the great work that John Walsh or Jim Gregg or Jim Clark did for everyone else, What did they end up with in return? Massive amounts of respect, sure. A legacy of helping others, yes. But how much did they sacrifice for that? How much of themselves did they give away so freely and get so little in return? In my 10 years of marijuana activism, I have seen more backstabbing, conniving, vicious, nasty, junior high-level immature behavior than in any other endeavor I've been a part of. And I was once a bass player in a band with a convicted meth felon and a schizophrenic as we played in biker bars for other convicted felons. (laughs) I've seen more honor and respect among outlaw crank gangs than I've seen from some folks in the marijuana movement. One friend of mine has been plundered for almost a million dollars by someone in the movement who has recently received national praise as a movement leader. Another couple of friends of mine are are tech gurus so talented, they should be earning six-figure salaries and living in McMansions, but instead have had their talents and work steadily leached off of by a movement leader while they struggle working day jobs and living in apartments. I have another friend who brought unparalleled media exposure to the plight of medical marijuana families only to be viciously slandered and attacked by some in the movement. And another friend of mine had to go to court to recover tens of thousands of dollars of income promised for hard work done, but never delivered by a movement leader. 
And maybe, maybe my own plight lately has given me some tunnel vision. Just had to deal with my brother battling stage four colon cancer. And, and, and the good news is, is that the cancer didn't spread. They removed all the cancerous parts of his colon and he's not going to have to do chemotherapy and it looks like he's cancer free. That's the good news, but it did kind of bring things sharply into focus for me. If that had been me, if I'd have gotten that cancer, where would I be? Being a marijuana activist doesn't provide much in the way of health insurance. Oh, sure. Plenty of access to medical cannabis, but there's no health insurance. There's no safety net. If that had been me afflicted by that cancer, I'd be in debt for the rest of my life. And um, instead of my brother, who's, you know, does a regular square job and has insurance and has everything taken care of in that respect. I've just known too many of these people, too many people in this movement who've been taken advantage by too many people in this movement. And it saddens me. So as much as, you know, there's, there's this feeling in our movement about the big marijuana and, and the Wall Street and the Yale MBAs coming in to take over the movement, at some level, I'm kind of happy it's them and not some of these conniving backstabbers in our movement who've used and abused and disrespected so many in our movement. I'm kind of glad they're not making it. I'm kind of glad that the Wall Street MBA Yale types are coming in. Because at least their backstabbing and conniving is just business. It's nothing personal. It's something that's a part of the shark-filled world of finance. But when it's abuse and, and, and disrespect and using people coming from our own movement, coming from the people who should have more empathy, that should know better, that hurts me more. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is nothing unique to the marijuana world. Maybe the world is just a vicious, conniving, backstabbing place, and I'm more sensitive to its manifestation in our movement. But then I, there's a part of me that can't help but think that a movement born of black market criminal activity can't help but be disproportionately steered by criminal minds and dishonorable intent. So as we move forward in this new year, as we move forward in 2016, I'm moving forward with a, I guess, a sharper vision of, of what's happening, a more exclusive vision of what's happening. I, I want to elevate those who are doing the right things. And, I, and instead of punching down, I want to ignore and marginalize those who are doing the bad things. And as we get new entrants into the marijuana market, new business partners and and, and newbies that are joining us that we can show them the good parts of our movement, how hardworking and dedicated we are and that they'll recognize that and that there will be sharing of our uh, profits. There will be a, a, a piece of the pie for the people who've worked so hard to make this a reality. And I know that there's people out there 
and I see it, you know, I, I, I get so much, uh, I get so much uh, flotsam and jetsam floating up into my Facebook feed. It's, it's always fascinating to me that people will tag me to make sure that I see something that was hatefully written about me. It's just, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's so junior high school sometimes. It's so junior high sometimes that it's just, it's stunning to me to think that these are like 40-year-old and 50-year-old adults doing these things. You know, I it's not like I, I, I expect to be a public figure and have uh, these strong opinions that I have and not be disagreed with by, by all means. I could very well be wrong. That's why I always encourage people to look shit up. Don't trick, take my word for it. If I tell you something, go ahead and look it up on your own. And I can handle being disagreed with and, and thought that I'm, you know, wrongheaded or misperceptive or whatever it might be. But how quickly it turns from that to conspiracy theories and ad hominem and shaming and just these vicious attacks. And, and 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 some from people <laughs> hell the most recent one that came across was from an activist who's been on my show numerous times who I just saw in person in Washington DC and got to meet his son got to meet his child <laughs> and uh you know whatever so rest in peace to John Walsh Jim Grigg Jim Clark Melody Silverwolf, just just a few of the people that I've met who I've had disagreements with, as a matter of fact. Uh, me, and, me and Melody Silverwolf disagreed on a lot of things, but I always respected how strongly dedicated she was to this movement, as well as Jim Clark and Jim Grigg and, and John Walsh. And I just hope as we move forward with the legalization of marijuana in 2016 and the future that, that it will reward the people who are the most deserving, who work so hard for this. And I'm going to do what I can to focus on that, on uplifting our movement, uplifting the best people in this movement and blocking, unfollowing, unfriending, turning away, rejecting the, the negativity and all of the attacks and the, and the insults and, and the hatred that flows through this movement. And I'm not innocent. <laughs> I've, I've been one of the haters. I know I've thrown my bombs too, but I'm getting older, been over 10 years in this movement and experiencing some massive change. So in that spirit of massive change and looking forward to a new year, I've made that resolution. No more punching down and more time for elevating and enlightening the people who follow me and listen to the show and read my writings. I thank all of you for it. Looking forward to 2016. I'll see a lot of you out on the road in the Legalize America tour. You can keep following my writing at hightimes.com, marijuanapolitics.com, and cannabisculture.com. But as we move forward to 2016, I'm also easing up a bit. And one of the things I'm changing is sticking to just one hour show per day. That's right. I, this is it. We're calling it for for today. An hour is what you'll get from now on because I've also got to spend a little more time for myself too. And thank you everybody for your understanding. 
We'll be back tomorrow with more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. Joining us tomorrow, we've got Christine Gordon from the Missouri Cannabis Restoration and Protection Act. Talk about legalization in Missouri. For everyone here at Iced Over Legal, Beautiful Potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it.